Hello, podcast friends. In today's podcast episode, we're back answering another now what question. This week's question is, I've gotten engaged, now what? For so many people, the engagement season is very special and filled with many great memories as couples prepare for marriage. But being engaged is also a very transitional stage when it comes to many things, which also includes your money. You're not legally married yet, but you want to start talking about finances and goals. You want to be on the same page with money, but it can be hard to figure out what budgeting or spending looks like in this season since not all of your accounts are fully combined yet. I'm especially excited about this episode because at the time of this recording, I am engaged right now. So I'm definitely going through all the engagement things as we speak. Such a special time in life. And in this podcast episode, I'll be answering this now what question all about being engaged. We'll be discussing the five things you need to focus on as you prepare for marriage during this season. I hope you're as excited about this podcast episode as I am. Welcome to the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast. My name is Isabel Clausen, an LPL financial advisor at Desert Wealth Management. I'm a fellow young professional who wants to help other young professionals work toward financial freedom. Through my education and experience of being a financial advisor, combined with the fact that I'm also a young person myself and I know what other young people are going through, I understand just how much you desire financial freedom. Freedom from financial worry, financial debt, and financial fears. Through this podcast, I seek to help you work toward financial freedom by focusing on financial health. I truly believe that in order to become financially wealthy and financially free, you need to be financially healthy. I want to help you develop a healthy and thriving relationship with your money so that you could spend less time worrying about tomorrow and spend more time enjoying today. Let's grow our financial wealth and health together. All right, everyone, let's dive into the five things you need to focus on as you prepare for marriage during the season of being engaged. I'll go over the five things as an overview, and then we'll dive into each one specifically. So number one, ask questions. Number two, define your goals. Number three, make a plan. Number four, check in regularly. And number five, prepare a combining lives checklist. So let's talk about number one, ask questions. As you and your fiance are talking about money, starting to figure out what your budget looks like, what your spending plan looks like, combining lives, talking about goals, it's first important to ask a handful of questions. Now obviously you're gonna ask many different questions to your fiance and you've probably already talked a lot about money so far in your relationship because that is a big aspect you need to talk about even when you're seriously dating before you get engaged. But there's some key questions that I think engaged couples should be asking before they start the full-on planning process. So one question that I think couples who are engaged should ask each other is what are your money fears and what are your money joys what about money makes you stressed out nervous how do you feel when there's a lack of money is that something you fear and then what what other things about money bring you joy what are different services or goods that you spend money on that add to your joy tank trying to figure out what are the fears and joys of not only your own life when it comes to money but your future spouse's life is important because what brings you fear about money and what brings you joy about money 
oftentimes it dictates a lot of our money decisions without us knowing it. So it's important to ask your significant other these questions so that you could better understand them. We understand our money stories pretty well, but sometimes our future spouse has a very different experience with money and a different outlook. So it's important to get on the same person's level and understand what they care about. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the five love languages test, and I won't get into all of that in today's podcast episode, but it's essentially the way that people feel love and show love. For example, if someone realizes that one way they show love is through words of affirmation and they feel love through words of affirmation, that's something that's pretty good for your significant other or your future spouse or your spouse should know about you. But maybe someone's love language is words of affirmation, but the other person's love language is acts of service. They communicate and feel love in many different ways, and oftentimes if you don't know how your spouse feels loved and valued and you're not sharing that love and value with them in that way, it could cause some hiccups, and that's why it's good to communicate about it. Very similar with how you talk and think about money. Suppose someone really values going on adventures or going on fun dates or going on trips, and maybe the other spouse, the way they feel really safe and happy with money is just by being comfortable and not worrying about money. Two totally different playing fields. More of a saver, more of a spender. Each person views money and thinks about money in a different way, but it still brings them joy. So that's important to communicate the joys and the fears about money. Another question that I think couples should ask each other when they're going through this questionnaire process, and this is one that I like to ask people to see how they answer in different ways because it's fun to see how different people's money stories play out in their everyday life, but the question is, if you got $100 as a gift and you could spend it on anything you wanted, what would you spend it on? And I also add in there that you could save it too if you want, but there's no obligation to save or spend. How do you want to use that money? Now, I like, I like to encourage couples to ask each other this question because it kind of shows your very first initial instinctual reaction to having money, and it can help both people understand how the other spouse spends money, and this is a really great question to figure out if you're a natural spender or a natural saver. For me, I am a natural spender, so I know that sometimes is a strength, and sometimes that's a weakness. There's strengths and weaknesses to different characteristics that we have when it comes to our view on money. But because I know I'm a natural spender, I know what boundaries to put up in my own financial life so I could still meet my financial goals. The same thing goes with this question. Let's say we find out that Samantha and Steven are getting married, they're going to get married in six or eight months, and they ask each other this question in their questionnaire process. Let's say that Steven says that he would love to spend it right away on getting a new helmet for his ATV. Okay? Super cool. He knows what he wants to spend it on, it brings him joy, that's great. But let's say that Samantha wants to put it in an investment account to see how she could let the money grow and spend it on something down the road in the future. Neither answer is good or bad, it's just how it is, but what's important to know is both people would spend that money very differently. One would spend it right now, and one would save it and spend it later. 
So it's good to know this answer to this question ahead of time because as you could probably guess in your head, if people have different saving and spending goals and they don't communicate it, it can cause a little bit of hiccups or a couple arguments down the road. And so I really like asking this question so that both people understand who is a saver and who is a spender, how to use these characteristics as a benefit and use it to their advantage, and then cover up any of the disadvantages or any potential arguments by setting boundaries on it through a budget. So that's another fun question, more of a behavioral finance question that I think couples should ask each other. And then one of the last main questions that I'll share with you today for a couple to talk about when they're starting to talk about finances as they prepare for marriage is asking the question, why is money important to you? Now, a lot of people answer saying, oh, money's important to me because I want to have flexibility or I want to have freedom, or I want to have less worry in my life, or I want to enjoy my life and go on fun adventures and trips. Whatever your answer is, it's important to figure out you individually, separate from your spouse, why is money important to you? And then you and your future spouse or current spouse, whether you're married or not, you both discuss it together and figure out if you're aligned and can agree on you know the same reason, or if you have a reason that you build together by talking about your separate reasons. So let's go back to Samantha and Stephen in the last example. Let's say for Stephen, he says money is important to him because he likes to not worry a lot about money. He likes the freedom that comes with having financial stability and feeling like he's free from worry. Well, let's look at Samantha. Let's say that for her, money is important to her so she could enjoy life and go on all those fun adventures and trips. As you could see, both of them have a different thesis statement, as we could call it, when it comes to money, but let's say they combine it together to say that money is important to them so they could have sustainable enjoyment throughout life. Not having to worry about a lot about money, but can also enjoy the fun, adventurous side of life. They can combine it together and work toward their two separate goals as one overarching goal that is a combination. Now, Carl Richards is a gentleman who really talks a lot about asking the why is money important to you question in his books and publications. And one thing he talks about is it's important to ask yourself or your significant other this question as it could set the foundation for looking at all of your other financial goals in a combined, unified way. When you have that main idea of money is important to me because of blank, it could help you work toward your future financial goals in a streamlined and straightforward way because you already know your main goal and all these other goals just add to the main goal of why is money important to you. So let's move on to the next main thing you should focus on as you prepare for marriage and that's number two, define your goals. So once you ask all these questions, it's important to define what your goals are as a couple, as a family. So I always begin by sharing, okay, let's define your short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. Now, there's a lot of different definitions of what is a short-term goal, what is a mid-term goal, how long is a long-term goal. And for the sake of this podcast episode, I'm defining a short-term goal as one to two years, a mid-term goal as three to five years, and a long-term goal as five years or more. Once again, these numbers vary because it's never exact on how many years and months is a short-term, mid-term goal, but to keep things simple for this podcast episode, that's how I'm going to be defining it for the rest of the episode. So as you're trying to figure out with your significant other what these goals look like, I encourage you to picture these goals by thinking of yourself first as one year in the future. 
both you and your significant other, close your eyes, picture yourself one year in a future, and then I want you to each write down either on a piece of paper or the notes app on your phone what you and your spouse are doing in your jobs, what you're doing in your life as far as going on trips, going on adventures, talking about, you know, what does your debt look like? What does your assets look like? Will you be moved into a house by then? How much have you paid off in your student loans by then? Wherever you're at in your financial life, write down a couple characteristics of what you want your life to look like one year in the future. And do the same exercise with looking at your life three years in the future and five years in the future. Write down whatever comes to mind. And it doesn't just have to be a financial goal or a job-related goal. It could be a family goal, fun goals, personal development goals. Where do you want to be in one, three, and five years? And then I want you and your significant other to compare notes and create some main goals for that short, mid, and long-term goal. This way you could both look at yourselves separately but also combine them together since you are becoming a family unit now. So once you've defined those goals, it's important to write a price tag next to each one. So let's say, for example, a five-year goal is to buy a house. Okay, you're going to have to save up for that down payment. You're going to have to make room in your budget for mortgage insurance as well as your mortgage payment. And so it's important to, you know, write down how much will that down payment cost you and how much will your budget have to account for. Of course, you could go online and look up different mortgage calculators and all that, but it's good to write down a price tag so that you define the goal, you figure out how long it's gonna to take to get there, and you add that price tag, it's super important. So do that for your short, mid, and long-term goals. And it's important to note that these goals will fluctuate. A financial plan and something that you're creating is one that lives and breathes with your very own life. Curveballs are thrown at you. Sometimes you make more money, sometimes you make less money, sometimes the world goes into shock. We've definitely had that a couple times in the past several years. And so it's important to know that these are not hard and fast, very steadfast goals. Of course, you want to stick to them, but they may change in the future and that's okay. So make sure to write down those goals with that in mind. It's okay to modify goals as you go. All right, so number three, the next thing to focus on is to make a plan. Now, I think that this step is the one that will be the most involved, it will take the most time, but it is so crucial to make a simple but strong plan to carry you through through this transitional time as well as the beginning of your marriage and all throughout. Like I just said, a plan and goals can be modified, it's flexible, but it's important to make a foundational plan just to start somewhere. So you've defined where you want to go through your goals, you've asked questions to get to know each other on a behavioral money side as well as just practically how you work with money. Now it's time to actually figure out how to get to the goals that you just defined. So making a plan revolves around the idea of saving your money into different buckets those short-term, mid-term, long-term buckets. But to do this, to understand how much money to put aside to those goals, you need to get a clear view on how much extra money you have every month to save or spend. So that's the first step, is to create your simple budget to figure out how much money you have left over each month. It's a very simple process. A lot of people have different methods of budgeting, but one way that I find is the most simple and effective, at least for myself and a lot of other people that I've worked with, is to first figure out your income inflows. 
Right now, as a couple who's engaged, I want you to create a plan of what your life will look like when everything's combined. So going forward when you're making this plan, when you're looking at this budget, try to picture yourself when you are married, what your household will be looking like. So whatever your two incomes combined together, whatever that income inflow is, write down that number you make every month of income as a two working spouse household. All right, and then I want you to write down together an estimate of how much your monthly mandatory expenses are. Now, if you're already living together, that'll be very easy to figure out what your mandatory monthly living expenses are. It may change if you do move to a different apartment or home, but if you're living separately right now and you don't pay any bills together, try to figure out what your financial life will look like when you're together. So figure out, okay, how much will rent or mortgage cost when we're together? How much rough estimate will utilities be, our car payments, our car insurance, all that. So I want you to write down your estimate or your current amount of mandatory fixed expenses you need to pay each and every month. All right, so now I want you to also include in that fixed amount kind of a little bit of an emergency fund amount. So the basics that you need to spend every month on food and transportation costs. Of course, this won't include the fun items of eating out and getting any groceries we want or going on fun long road trips. Just write down the bare bones basics of how much money you need for mandatory groceries and transportation costs like gas every single month because you want to make sure you have those basic necessities in this calculation. So once you find your income, your mandatory expenses, subtract those expenses from that income, and you'll have a lump sum dollar amount. This is how much money you have left over each month to spend on fun things like eating out, or trips, or dates, or new clothes, or gifts, or in this case, saving on future goals. So now that you have that certain dollar amount, I want you to take a look and figure out how much of that money, that extra money, you want to put toward your short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. One of these financial goals could be paying off some of your debt, or maybe it's saving for retirement, or saving for a down payment on a home, or maybe saving for a trip you want to go on, or right now in your life, maybe it's saving a little bit for your wedding. Whatever it is, write down how much money you want to go towards each goal. It could be as little as putting $50 a month into a retirement account. Maybe you want to set aside $100 or $200 a month for your down payment on your home. It could start small, but just write down how much of that extra money you have left over is going to go toward your short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. And maybe right now you just want to focus on that short-term goal of paying off a certain loan. Maybe for the next six months, that's the only goal you're going to be focusing on with your extra money. Or maybe after that, you just want to save for retirement and down payment on a home. Or maybe you want to save for a handful of goals. You kind of do whatever you want in this step, but it's important to pay yourself first as the saying goes, figuring out how much you want to save before you figure out how much you could spend each month. So once you figure out how much money of that extra money after you pay all your mandatory expenses will go towards savings, that dollar amount you'll have remaining after you pay the money for the expenses and save towards your goals, whatever that final dollar amount is of income that you have, you could spend it on what you want. You could go on those fun dates. You can eat out. You can go on trips. And you could do so without the guilt of thinking, oh, I'm spending money here, but I really should be saving for this. No, you don't have to second guess as a couple because you've already told your money where to go from your paycheck to your mandatory expenses to your savings goals and now to the fun stuff. So that's the first part of the plan that I think is so important. 
And one thing on here is it's important to have a calendar of your savings goals. Creating a savings calendar for the next five years of where and when you'll be saving your money is so important. And of course, it's going to be flexible. It's going to be changed. You may think, oh my gosh, I have no clue what my life will look like in five years. But if you set up that savings goal and put on your calendar, you know, when that savings goal is met, those small ones and also the big ones, it'll help you along the way. And this leads us to our fourth main idea to focus on when you're in this engagement season of life, and that is to check in regularly. So let's dive a little bit more into that savings calendar by looking at the example of Samantha and Steven. Let's say Samantha and Steven have a short-term savings goal of paying off their student loan debt over the next year. So they'll be setting up an automatic payment, money coming out of their checking account and going either into their savings account or going to their loan directly however they set up the system, but they're going to pay off every month a certain amount of money so that a year from now, in July 2023, for example, they'll have hopefully paid off their student loan. So they're going to put on their calendar in July 2023, pay off student loan. They made the calendar, they'll be getting notifications, they have it set, they're holding themselves accountable. But they'll want to be checking in. I recommend people check in comprehensively, taking a big look at their goals every three months to talk about it on a date as a couple to dive in to see where they're at, but to do more of a light overarching review once a month. And I'll get into that in a second. But let's say every month they touch base about their student loan debt. Every three months they dive in further to see if they need to increase the amount they need to save or decrease it, whatever it is. And then they'll see, okay, a year from now, July 2023, that is our goal to pay off the student loan. And let's say Samantha and Steven also have a long-term goal of saving for a down payment on a home. Let's say four years from now, in what is that, 2026, July 2026, they want to have the down payment of their home saved up for. So they'll put that on their calendar as their deadline to meet, and then every month and every three months, they'll talk about it a little bit more. So that's kind of what I mean by a savings calendar. And when it comes to checking in, of course, having that every three months, that quarterly more comprehensive check-in with your spouse to you know, go through your bank accounts, look at how much you've been saving and spending, are you staying on track, all of that. But I encourage people to do a money date once a month. Now make this super fun. Every month, each spouse will take turns of planning a fun money date to make it super exciting. So let's say Samantha plans a date to go to their favorite restaurant and then go walk around a park and watch the sunset. Let's just say that's the date she picks out. She knows for 15 minutes of that date, we'll talk about their savings goals, they'll talk about money, they'll talk about maybe some concerns they have, some worries they have, some joys that they have. It'll be short, it'll be sweet, they'll check in, and they'll enjoy the rest of the date. Doing that once a month could hold them accountable and it gives them room to talk about things that may be hard to talk about. And don't just check in about goals, check in about how your personal finances are going. Perhaps set a 10 minute timer and have one person talk uninterrupted, share any concerns they have, or maybe one spouse is spending in a certain way that the other spouse doesn't appreciate, or maybe one of them has a big financial goal that they wanna propose to their spouse. Whatever it is, have a certain amount of time for each of you, check in with one another, do a quick little money update conversation, and then enjoy the rest of the date. So by checking in once a month, every three months, and then for sure when the financial goal has that deadline, 
is super important. I think that'll keep a lot of engaged people who are getting ready for marriage in line for when marriage comes. And also keeping up these habits when you are married. And that's one of the biggest reasons that I love to encourage checking in when people are engaged to build that habit so when they're married, they just already have it formed of checking in regularly about money. So the fifth and final idea I think people should focus on when they're engaged, getting ready for marriage, in terms of finances, is to prepare a combining lives checklist. So make a checklist of all the to-dos you have to do, all the fun stuff of changing your name if you choose to do that, and when you'll combine bank accounts, and you know updating any tax or legal documents, or maybe updating any insurance policies that you have on your own or at work, updating the beneficiaries on your investment accounts. There's a lot of those little kind of miscellaneous tasks that write down a checklist, write down when you need to get them done, put them in your calendar so that you don't miss out on any of those important deadlines. Because sometimes doing all that paperwork can kind of creep up on you, so it's important to have a plan for it. So I hope that you all enjoyed this podcast episode. For any of you engaged couples out there, congratulations on being engaged. I hope you have an amazing exciting and purpose-filled marriage and I hope that it's also filled with a lot of fun. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. I hope that it was helpful, uplifting, and that you really learned something that'll help guide you in your financial journey. And if you know of someone who is about to get engaged or who is currently engaged, please share this episode with them. I hope that it really helps them in their marriage journey. And before you go, I wanted to chat a little bit about financial planning and how you could work with me if you have some financial questions or goals that you're wanting to start working on more in depth. Do you find yourself overthinking your budget or wondering if you're spending too much or saving enough? Are you feeling overwhelmed with information about how to start investing your money? And then on a more emotional side, are you wanting to be free from fears about money, but you have a little bit of trouble figuring out just how to do this? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then financial planning is definitely for you, and I'd be honored to help coach you in your financial life. I have some great news for you. At Desert Wealth Management, we offer affordable financial planning packages to help guide you and support you in living the life that you want. We take time to understand who you are and what you care about so that we could coach you through these questions, these fears, and the habits around your financial life. It's our goal to help align your values with your money as we believe that this could help you start walking in financial freedom with confidence. If you're interested in learning more about taking part in one of our financial planning programs, please visit us at our website at www.desertwealth.net slash financial planning. The link will be in the show notes below. We would be honored to help you start working toward living a life of financial freedom. We'll chat more next week. Have a wonderful rest of your week. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss.